Entirety of the internet. Thank you all for joining us. Oh all my god, I'm out. Bye. We're not doing this in front of the whole internet. Uh, welcome everyone to uh, our after party number 10. Um, things might look a little different than they normally do. Uh, and that is because we are on a little uh, retreat there. You might see this uh, this beautiful sign that uh, is set up here behind <laughs> us. Since uh, we're doing a little birthday retreat. Yay. <laughs> Yay. She, she actually, she's, so she's not happy about it, but we've been spoiling her uh, run yeah, for it's been great. Yes. Yeah, I've, I've, yes, now we're, there were technical difficulties this morning. <laughs> there were some technical I mean, difficulties. Don't, don't, there's technical difficulties every don't time. Yes. We're a professional operation here. Everything went perfectly smooth. The team no behind the scenes, whatsoever. really? <laughs> the, the, team, the team is everybody looks at me. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, welcome. Uh, this is going to be a little bit of a different setup because, uh, again, we're actually all physically in person, with the exception of Ross, unfortunately, um, who had a little summer or spring illness, I suppose. Spring flu. It's not spring uh, yet. It's definitely winter still. Winter, is it? It is 100% winter. He got the sickness. He was down with the sickness. He was down with the sickness, unfortunately. And, uh, wow. and as such, he... <laughs> Um, did not want to subject us to a six-hour car ride with a potentially sick person. So, as always, Ross, looking out for the crew, um, took one for the team. Uh, Really needs to grind those levels so he can get that paladin uh, disease immunity. Right? Seriously. So, yeah, we're actually doing this a little bit differently, just uh, so we're all on the couch together. We've got some shotgun mics. So if the audio sounds a little bit different, if you're listening later or if you're listening right now, that is because we are using a different audio setup than we normally do. Usually we're all staring at computer screens, but... We're still staring um, at a computer screen. We're still staring at a computer screen, and that is because we do have a special guest today. Uh, today we are joined by Eric of Eric and Lisa Junker End of uh, Podcast uh, <laughs> fame. <laughs> Lisa is not here with us, but I imagine, uh, again, I think Eric mentioned... Uh, uh, before we got on that uh, she helped provide a little bit of extra insight into today's topic. Is there any way we could convince her to at least like stick her hand in and wave? Yeah. Stick her arm in and wave. Like she doesn't have to show the face. She's, um, she's actually out getting her hair done. So oh, uh, really actually it might really? be the absolute perfect time for her to come in. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say, Rachel will understand that considering how long it takes to, to make the purple happen. Yeah. So, um, but I will. I will actually ask her. Uh, I think I just got the message. The garage door opened. So, uh, <laughs> just, just come in and wave. Just, just wave. That's fair. And then run away. And then run away. So, Eric, actually, again, this is your first time guesting on the show. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, no personal no, details. Like, put me on the spot. <laughs> no personal details, like you know, address or social security number or anything like that. I mean, but I'll just, you want to. All right, I got to change my whole speech then. Sorry. <laughs> um, we cross yeah, that so um, uh, my name is uh, Eric. Um, I'm on Discord as Calieri, which is the same as my Twitch name. So if uh, you see me there, you'll know yeah, who I am. I have been role playing since uh, the little red book back in the um, mm. <clears throat> late 70s. And uh, I've probably been through several different, uh, pretty much all of the uh, D&D versions. I uh, did some role master college and uh because you got to experiment in college That's and then, um, <laughs> um, got out of college uh started at 5e and then decided uh 
I had some uh, some issues with uh, the company. So luckily, Rollmaster was there. Not Rollmaster. Uh, Pathfinder was there. Um, you went all the way back to Rollmaster. <laughs> all the way back to Rollmaster. Yeah, if anybody's played Rollmaster, you know it's a math game. It's all about. Uh, I have enough all, all the metagaming is, is what you're there for. Um, and then we started uh, probably about six years ago doing uh, Rune Lords. Awesome. And uh, had a great time. Got about halfway into uh, Rune Lords and. Then Lisa came in and told me that, yeah, I've been listening to this podcast. It's really cool. It really helps you kind of learn the rules. And I was like, oh, great. I'm going to listen to it. And then she said, no, you can't because I'm going to run money from this. I love this thing, not to. for you. I'm like, great. So I, I, and then, you know, you started the other podcast. So I, I listened to all of those. Um, absolutely love it. Awesome. Thank you. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, once we started uh, sponsoring, uh, you know, I've been trying to. Oh, here she comes. Lisa. Hello. This is Lisa of the Lisa and Eric Junker. Hi. <laughs> Are you guys having a great retreat? Yes. 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 So far, so far, pretty good. Oh, happy birthday, Heather! Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you're welcome to sit in and join us if you'd like to, Lisa. If y'all have another set of headphones. No, she's like that. <laughs> she's out. <laughs> Thank you for stopping, though. Yeah. <laughs> Are we starting a trend of um, people have to can't, like come in and, and photobomb and camp? Apparently, photobombing is a little photobomb drive by. Of, of yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But please go on. So anyway, yeah. So that's that's kind of my uh, my gaming background story. In real life, I'm a I'm a CFO at a government contractor up here in Virginia. Oh, so nice. uh, of which there's about seven billion. So that's really nothing special. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So they can't easily track me down. Um, so yeah, we won't ask you for any government secrets or any of the rest of that stuff. And, uh, that explains you mentioning, uh, trying out Delta Green, um, or at the very least, uh, all the rest yeah. of that. <laughs> it's fun to play Delta Green with a bunch of actual FBI and CIA guys. Yeah. <laughs> you get that verisimilitude of like, you know, it's like, that's not proper procedure. Yep. Um, that's exactly what you get. <laughs> that's not how we cover up aliens. <laughs> So yeah, well, Eric, uh, again, you decided to uh, find the path to your backer. So uh, as always, we appreciate you and Lisa both. So again, yeah. we appreciate that Thank for both of you. Thank you so um, much. And so uh, again, for our find the path to your backers, we do offer an opportunity to write in with a subject for um, our after parties, uh, which is, uh, again, you decided the subject for today, which I'm very excited about because um, I always like getting into the uh, taking something that is more... My mind immediately went to ephemeral, but uh, I think there's a better word for it. Um, conceptual of things like party composition, which is what we're talking about today. Actually going into the details of that. and Because everyone will always say, you know, party composition, you know, to use the corporate speak, uh, promoting synergy and all the rest of that <laughs> stuff. I just died but, a little inside. Yeah. <laughs> Let's promote some synergy here, guys. Um, and actually talking about like what that means. Which is, it's a very interesting subject. Again, we've all been playing, geez, I mean, Heather and I have been playing since high school. Yeah. Um, the rest of us have been playing for... I mean, 10 years now, at least. At least 10 years yeah. now, yeah. Yeah, as long as we've been together, so 11. Yeah. And so there's a certain amount of that, that it's something that you don't necessarily... It's not something that's taught, usually. It's something that you, like, learn a lot of times as you're playing, where you're you're building that. It's something that can be taught. Like, I think they talk about it in the Game Mastery Guide and all the rest of that. Uh, but it's something uh, that usually people just make an assumption that you figure it out. You know, like the big four. 
You know, you have to have your, you have to have your warrior. You have to have your arcane spellcaster. You have to have your divine spellcaster. You have to have your roguish character. Otherwise, you open traps with your face. It's true. We've definitely had games. We do that. I love. We do that. Literally done that. Yeah. I have also. I have also the face. Yeah. Sometimes we even have the rogue, and you still open it with your face because you fail a roll. Traps apply directly to the face. I was going to say. I have often heard that barbarians are the poor man's rogue. So, Dude, especially in 5e where they take half damage if they're raging, it's like, oh, we're going to open a door. I rage, I open the door. <laughs> I think wizards are the rich man's robe because you have to like to cast detect traps oh, yeah, and dispel yeah. magic. There's like well, a just, whole... In first edition, the, the barbarians, they get uncanny dodge. They get a save bonus you know, mm. thing versus traps. You have so many hit points in case you fell. You know, all you need to do is give them a ring of evasion and call it a day. Well, heaven forbid you put them in a maze or something. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny, um, the, way, the way you said that, too, about the, the wizard being the rogue, because I, I first, when I, back in October, when we agreed on this uh, topic, I was like, I'm going to do research. I'm going to figure out how, how best to talk about this. And I, I did a little Venn diagram. Yeah. Like, all right, well, let's let's see. You know, you've got your big four, just like Rick said. Who, who fits in where? It's like, well, obviously the bard, just put the bard in the middle. And then mm-hmm. let's see. Oh, well, the wizard can go in the middle too. And before I knew it, I had almost all the classes because okay. depending on your archetype, anybody could be anything. So, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, and especially once you start getting into uh, second edition, which kind of opens that up a great deal more with people being able to find traps. Yeah. Uh, you know, usually you still have to be a class that has a, a high perception progression because traps have a minimum proficiency requirement for noticing them now. It's like, yeah, you're rogue. Finds traps really well, especially if you take the... I can't. I don't think they call it trap spotter. I can't remember what they... Trap actually, finder. it might be trap finding. But at the same time, you look over there and it's like the investigator's perception is so high mm-hmm. that, you know, even the investigator can find traps. It's just they don't get the free, like, the GM should be checking for you thing. Yeah. Yeah. Although that's odd could be used to find traps. Or yes, lead people to traps. <laughs> or lead people to traps, which is even funnier. The, the fourth floor over there, that's, it's a little odd. Oh, I walk over there. Ha, pit trap. Um, <laughs> this turns into H.H. Holmes all the time. <laughs> that's a pretty, ooh. There's a version of Kingmaker, Hotel Builder. H.H. Like, Holmes? Could, I mean, if you took the premise, instead of kingdom building, your hotel building, and instead of trying to make an economy that works, you're... Trying to make an efficient murder machine. I don't know. I feel like you could <laughs> that makes me think of that old board there. game, Thirteen Dead and Dry, where you're trying to kill them as they go. Yes. Through. Yeah. Or that death game that I tried. Hey, to Hey, you know how stream. Jordan said about us derailing earlier? No, we were talking about spiraling, and uh, we always spiral. We always we spiral. like to yank ourselves off. It, of it all connects. So segueing, segueing back away from uh, <laughs> serial killer maker. That's um, <laughs> great. I'm just saying, there's make a that lot of serial killers in Pathfinder games. I mean, there we, are. We've, yeah. We've, Come across our fair share. It's a rogue archetype, I think, in first edition. <laughs> Wait, Syracuse? I believe so. I wouldn't really? be surprised, she actually. She hasn't taken that yet? She's not allowed to play evil. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> uh, well, so let's, let's go ahead and jump into talking about things like, um, again, character party composition and things like that. Because I, I think we'll start by talking more about like in-game, um, and then I think we'll move to out-of-game. Uh, basically around the table. You know, like uh, Eric was just saying there when he was making his uh, the Venn diagram and all the rest of that stuff, which uh, it sounds like, again, everything just ended up in the center. Um, I always love, I personally always love a good Venn diagram. I'm a fan of it, the string board, yeah. Yeah, the string boards too. So, yeah, honestly, like a lot of times when you talk about party composition, the first thing people think about is having the right combination of classes. 
You know, so again, you have your fighter or your, you have your warrior character where it's like, okay, I'm the fighter. Like, instead of a fighter, maybe I'm a ranger for this one. Maybe I'm a barbarian for this one. I did months. You, yeah. Full base attack. Yep. You know, it's basically like you're the full, if, if you're talking first edition, you're the full base attack character. You're the one with the hit points. You're the one with the armor class. It's interesting. I'll go ahead and, uh, and touch on this here because there's a, there's an interesting combination and I am not a player. Um, however, in the case of, uh, Jessica Jordan and Heather specifically in this case, like I don't play MMOs, but there's a lot of party composition talk in MMOs where it's like, you have to have your healer, you have to have your tank, you have to have your DPS. Like I understand the phraseology. Um, And I think a lot of people that come to tabletop gaming through MMOs come with that mindset already ingrained. Mm. Of like, we have to have these specific combination of classes. Well, and MMOs are a lot of times based on like the same kind of, composition stuff that was tape that is tabletop role-playing game because like from you the go, same dna yeah it's in yeah. the same dna because if you go back to like really old games like everquest or or any of those like they still have the exact same composition because it encourages cooperation yeah you don't have a dm who's who's able to kind of change things on the fly it's all programmed yeah. in so mm. yep. you know there it makes sense to optimize as best you can i, I was thinking the same thing when, when we talk about kingmaker you know when you play the actual video games then that's yeah. where this is really important. You've got to have your job finder. You've got to have a wizard. Yeah, well, especially, again, if you're going back to CRPGs, talking Kingmaker there, like going back to things like the uh, Baldur's Gate, you know, 1 and 2 and all the rest of that. Well, even in the um, new Baldur's Gate. Gate even in the new one, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, having the, the proper party composition is always so important. Um, I think uh, Eagle King says in the chat, sorry, that's what I'm doing. Tank is a huge one I see all the time that doesn't have the same use in TTRPGs. Yeah. 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 Okay, we're on the same wavelength there because that's always what I go back to. Um, if you're too hard to hit, nobody wants to hit you. That, that, and yeah. that's the thing. And it's not no only that nobody wants to hit you. And pull all the enemies to them and yeah. take all the you damage. You can't just provoke and then... Yeah. <laughs> as much as sometimes a, it happens to us. There is a first edition feat that lets you provoke. Oh. Um, oh yeah, there is. Yeah. However, it's again, it's there. like it's so difficult to and well and again, it's just like all it does, I think, is penalize them if they don't attack you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they get a But healthy. it's one of those like if your AC is already still so high, or the problem that we ran into early on, I remember very early on, um, Jordan, who's uh the handle I think is still Meat Shield or something yes. like that. The tank characters and in, in MMOs and things like that, or I believe at the very least used to. And when I think we first started playing, you, you made in. a character that was very much that, like, I'm going to be the one that takes I'm going to be, I'm going to be full plate, you know, and full shield, like, the whole thing, yeah. I think I remember asking, because you were, you kept saying, like, I'm the tank. What does that mean? Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. I don't play MMO, so I was just like, okay. Yeah. And, and the reason it doesn't translate is, um, not only if you're too hard to hit, nothing wants to attack you. It also is if your character, if you focus so much on like, yeah, I've got the, I've got a 10 strength and, you know, <laughs> like I've got tons and tons of constitution and all the rest of that stuff. It's like, it's great. But if you're also not doing any damage, mm-hmm. nothing really cares to attack yeah, you. Yeah. You're not a threat. Like, yeah. Okay. Well, you're just, you're just this tin can that I have to pry open once I'm done with this guy shooting me with magic. Yeah. Um, it's also the problem yeah. of fighting intelligent enemies. Yes. Whereas in a lot of MMOs and video games, it has a preset logic on how it prioritizes who to attack versus you're fighting an actual person, you know, who is smart enough to go, wait, I could attack the tank person 
and you know that would be difficult or I can attack the person who's making it so that he doesn't take any damage by healing him. As a, Which will I do? <laughs> As a person who never ever plays a heavily armored character but likes to do damage it's a struggle. I was going to say you, you ride that line of I do so much damage and I have just enough defense that I don't immediately I'm gonna die. I'm going to be dex based defense so if, if I lose my dex, dex it's based over. Defense. Dex based defense. <laughs> I like to move. Yeah that, that which I was telling you about, that's what we do. It's all protective luck. Yeah, I yeah. hit it with hit the, the top front line guy with protective luck, and our, our DM has yet to actually successfully roll a crit against any of our characters. Oh, that's <laughs> nice. Nice. Every attack. Good job. So, yeah. you know, I may not be healing, but I'm preventing damage, so it's kind yeah, of the same exactly. thing. To be perfectly that honest, preventing great. damage is almost the best form of healing. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Because then you have the magical healing for when you really yeah. need it. Yeah. Or well, it leaves open, because clerics and other healing types tend to do have things other than healing, mm-hmm. so that That's just true. leave them open to be like, hey, I can actually use this boob spell for once. Yeah. You know? Well, and one, if you use one spell to prevent, like, you having to use three spells of healing, yeah. that's a net positive on the actual, yeah. like, use of the resource. Although, speaking of healers, I do think you have to have some sort of a healer class, period. I, do, yeah. I don't care if it's first or second edition. Yeah, I, I do. Having played through Darkmoon Veil, God, I wish we'd had a healer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know they were all so proud of the, you don't need a healer, and I'm like... And you really don't. I mean, you don't. It's just you makes your life don't. so much easier if you do. But you kind of do, honestly. I don't. Yeah, I don't know how to do. Well, it's the we struggle. The reason I think <laughs> that the big four classes exist, as far as like these are the touchstones everyone goes back to, and you can trace this all the way back to baked into the original DNA for Dungeons and Dragons. Like even when you're looking at the um, the Pathfinder Beginners box, we, we we're gonna say you don't need a healer, but. Here's your cleric in the beginner's box. Yep. Here's your wizard in the beginner's box. Here's your fighter in the beginner's box. Here's your rogue in the beginner's box. It's suggested um, for a reason. Yeah, yeah. But we've played successfully without any arcane magic, and we've played yep. successfully without a rogue. Mm-hmm. I don't think, outside of Dark Moon Veil, we've ever played successfully without anyone that can heal. Even in that, we had a champion. Yeah. I was going to say, and honestly, like, having the yeah. champion has been super helpful because of the lay on hands, which yeah. is healing. Yeah. And a little teaser ahead for people listening to Dark Moon Bell right now. Um, we run into some problems in that where we're like, this would be real nice if we had a great player, man. I play the main um, magic healer in Hell's Rebels, and I often struggle to keep up with healing. And even with me, it, back it is almost. Yeah. I think some yeah. of that is also the problem that, um, and we can touch on that a little bit later, where you have those again as. Uh, uh, Eric, you were saying just towards the beginning where you have those characters from the center of the Venn diagram where they don't necessarily, technically speaking, if you're going to find a place that the druid sits, then in the healer box is kind of where you can put them. Mm-hmm. Even though you could make an argument that as far as like the boomcaster, they could also be in there. They're just straddling that line yeah. between divine and arcane. It falls into the same category that you get with your bards where it's jack of all trades is great. Having that diversity is great of abilities, but you then have to suffer with the whole quote-unquote master of none. The druid can do a lot of damage with some spells. Mm-hmm. Not to the degree that the wizard can. Mm, I don't know, that primal list is pretty <clears throat> devastating. The primal list is great. If we're talking second, second edition. edition yeah. In first edition, you know, like it's a little bit even more codified where like the wizard's damage output is so phenomenal. But the druid also has armor. The druid also has hit points. The druid also has an animal companion. You get all these other options of going forward and doing things. So when you're really looking at party composition, that's kind of, I think, where you run into it. Because you, you're supposed to have your 
I'm the person that has a full base attack. I hit things. I do damage. I have hit points. You're supposed to have your, like... People call it kind of the rogue or your thief. Um, I kind of consider it the skill class, you know. Like, the bard, right. in my opinion, is kind of a counter with the rogue because it's... This is the person that... Uh, what's all the term? The skills. People a lot of times say the face of the party. Oh, yeah. It's like, yeah. Just the skill. The it's also just, I have lots of skill. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then you have your arcane cast and your divine. That's right, because, I mean, that's, that's the other... Question here is, you know, you got your big four, but if you bump that, I mean, when I first did my little Venn diagram, I was like, I mean, you could have like eight circles because there's yeah. who's the yeah. diplomat in the party mm-hmm. and who's the scout and, you know, who's the, who's the face? You know, there's, yeah, who's the cook? There's all, there's all these things. <laughs> who's that, your that, uh, the, the people that don't, that aren't, you know, because when you're talking party composition, a lot of people are just thinking when we're in battle, what do we need? Mm-hmm. What are the things yeah. that are important? For when we're crawling through a dungeon, but you don't think about what do we, who's responsible when you're in front of the king and he's uh, you're negotiating with him for rewards yeah. or stuff. You know, yeah. you know, you need a face. So it's there's nice your bar, to have but... somebody with some diplomacy. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that kind of leads into like your table composition because they're like, True. I know about myself that I'm going to talk. <laughs> yeah. And if 100%. I don't put any ranks and any face skills, even if I'm not playing the face. It's going to be a bad time. I remember we played when we played through Carrying Crown, I was not a face, but I talked a lot. Um, and then I would yeah, have to make a diplomacy check, and I'd be like, uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Why did I do this to myself? And then it's a my character brain. and Rick's character were scrambling behind you going, oh gosh, we have to fix the thing that Sylvia just did. Yeah. No, no, not... Sorry, that's a Carrying Crown. <laughs> yeah. Curse. Curse of the Crimson Throne. I was oh, thinking yeah. of a little kobold. Well, that's oh. you. You that's got us in a lot of trouble in that thing. both of those games. I was cute as heck. <laughs> but, well, and not to go on to complete side tangent about uh, other games, especially, you know, other games that uh, that we haven't recorded, but touching on a game that we have, like, it crops up a lot in uh, Tyrant's Grass because Jordan tends up talking a great deal with uh, Octavius' <laughs> character in Tyrant's Grass. And then inevitably, I think Jordan goes into a, like, okay, well, let me go ahead and spin this quick falsehood. And then I'm like, okay, Your great. Go ahead and make me a deception check. Makes me so uh, angry no, as a person with so much bluff. And, and Jessica sitting there is like, I'm the liar. <laughs> yeah, just I'm chaos. I'm chaos. He's chaotic good. You do I'm chaotic. <laughs> you always are trying to talk and you never put points in I know. <laughs> I, I, it, is, it is a bad thing of me as being like, like one of the more outgoing people like who is not afraid to talk and then being like, my characters never like are good at talking. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't role play that very well. The first AP we ever did was Legacy of Fire. Oh, God. I no. specifically made a character with oodles of diplomacy and charisma and you would always be the first person to jump in and I would grab you and be like shh we did a lot of like shut up sorcerer <laughs> I think the the phrase of the AP was what are you doing it was, a lot it was definitely what were you what are, what are you doing is that the um, character with a negative constitution yes. like, yeah you got taken out okay, by yeah, a baboon negative like, constitution means he's dead he had a uh, <laughs> oh no he had a negative one yeah no that's that was a negative saying. constitution then he had like an negative eight constitution oh, so like bad. a s- strong win the, la- the last time I ever made a constitution eight character <laughs> you learned um, I learned the hard way but I guess going back to the whole idea of the uh, the class composition, though, it does also touch on choosing things that synergize well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, like, if somebody says, I'm playing a wizard, great, they're fulfilling one of the four. Yep. But at the same time, if something gets to that wizard, they don't have AC. They don't have points. <laughs> yep. Um, you have to have that roadblock. You have to have that fighter that can lock people down. 
Um, you have to have people that want to defend the wizard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to have people that want to defend the wizard. You have to have somebody that... Playing a rogue is great. You know, you gotta be but you have to have somebody to flank with you. You have to have some way to make people flat-footed. You have to have some way to make people off guard now in second edition. You have to have some okay. way to stop people. And it's the same thing. Like once you get back to the fourth one, it's the, it's great to have the tank, but if you know, or this, this character that has all these hit points, but if you don't have someone to heal those hit points back up after the fight's over, then that fighter's not going to be fighting real long. Um, <laughs> And We're going to have really long breaks in between fights. Or really, really like long. Weeks and like weeks. Yeah, yeah, two weeks to recover your hit points between fights. Or spend a lot of money. You could play the game by, you, know, you go to town and get healed, or you just buy a ton of potions and yeah. stuff. Yeah. You know. Take rich parents. And Take rich parents, money. start with like three yeah. wands of cure light wounds, and <laughs> just go through your adventure. Yeah. Yes, but then halfway through the dungeon, when those run out, you're like, crud. I guess yeah. I die now. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there are some creative ways that you can get around stuff, but there, there is a reason the core, the four core yeah. exists. There There's flexibility no within that, though. Yeah. It doesn't have to yeah. be cleric, wizard, fighter, rogue. No. I almost yeah. never play a cleric if I'm the healer. Well, again, it's, you know, you can replace your wizard with a sorcerer. Um, in, in second edition, especially because of the versatility of the sorcerer. You know, your sorcerer can be your healer. The sorcerer can be your damage dealer because you can choose different bloodlines. Mm-hmm. Um the addition of the occult spell list adds a lot of debuffs. So, yeah. you know, we're having, we're talking about how stopping hit point damage yeah, the protective stuff. is mm-hmm. just as important as healing because you're basically removing the need for healing your occult spellcasters and, you know, debuff abilities and everything else. Like that's what that does. That's, that's providing healing because you don't need to heal in the first place. You're just stopping damage from happening. It's the whole argument of like, if you, if you cast slow on somebody and then the fighter trips that person, that guy gets one action yeah. the next turn. Right. So you've stand just up, limited how much damage up, they can do. Yeah. yeah. Or, or even like it, good synergy can also mean like you don't take a lot of damage. Cause I know when we did Serpent Skull and I was the GM for that, it was what Druid Slayer Rogue um, Alchemist. <laughs> never yeah. give Rick Alchemist ever. Which first off, never give Rick Alchemist wild. because that was. I hope you're thirsty. That was <laughs> that was that that party was bananas because rarely you guys would take damage if if it was a place where you could get flanking because at high levels it was it was it was it was it was stealth up. Sneak attack, uh, sneak attack, opportunist, opportunist. Because oh, yes. you guys both had opportunist. That and was where Pants on Adventure Time came from. But it was it was such a good build of a party because like basically you guys, as long as you weren't fighting like ten things or something with a ton of hit points, everything was dead within like the first yeah. round or two. Yeah. Because you guys would, were very much a tactical team yes. of like go in, going in and attacking. It was like stuff. a seal like team six. six. Yeah. It was very <laughs> seal team six, six exactly. Went right? in and bam, bam, bam. Mm-hmm. Well, because it was like. Overland flights, so we just gonna fly in here. Like that party was broken. Um, <laughs> we weren't. Well, I mean, it's kind of like all of your uh, side quest characters that you just did. I mean, yeah, yeah, they all successfully completed a single, like a one-player mission. You put them all in the same room together, and I mean, it was it wasn't even close. I mean, yeah. it was the most lopsided mm-hmm. fight I've watched in a while. Yeah, it was, and it was, it was fun to to watch. You all yeah. kind of like, okay, well, I, I picked my role, and it could be one of many, but figured it out. Yeah, making a lot of characters that are uh, are complementary to one another. Yeah. So, but I know we always go back to communication. Oh yeah, and that's so much of that is like yep. sitting down with your group and going, let's communicate. Let's 
have our session zero, you know, where we talk about making these characters. Speaking of session zero, I recommend everyone do that. Yeah. Yes. Um, yes. Have a session zero where you talk about the game, you make your characters, and maybe even do a this is how we all met quick roleplay thing. So Assuming the adventure is, is you yeah. guys already know each other. Yeah. You know... Well, that's a that's a really great segue into what I was gonna. I'm saying we should probably talk about next, which is um, there's the mechanical part of comp- of party composition, which is the you know making sure your classes can work together, making sure that you've got bases covered, making sure that um, you're not going to run into any huge problems when it comes to like having someone that can heal or having someone that can deal damage, or even as Jordan was just saying, having crowd control and things like that. And then you get into like the role play side of your party composition. Oh, but wait, there's a question that I think before we move away from mechanics, we should answer. Okay, okay. Uh, Dane Barry asks, do you think party composition changes for each TTRPG? So outside of just Pathfinder. I would say yes. Yeah. Um, to a degree. Like if you were, if you're playing Blades in the Dark and you were an entire group of spiders, Blades in the Dark is a game that really lets you, like, you use, you utilize whatever you have. Mm-hmm. But almost every game that has a class system, which is things like Blades in the Dark, part of that class system is you gain access to abilities specifically to that class. Class, if you're playing a spider or a uh, lurker or any of the rest of that stuff, I'm trying to remember some of the other classes, but they don't spring to mind, that you have certain abilities that you can learn. And so you can play three or four different varieties of that, even in the same group. But eventually you start repeating abilities. <laughs> so having a diversity of abilities, it still makes your group as a whole stronger. But um, And even in <clears throat> games where there aren't classes, like going back to like Vampire the Masquerade and yeah. some of those, you have clans that are very fight-based and you have clans that are very socially based. Yeah. And you, you still kind of want to mix. Like you don't have to. Everybody could be a Bruja if they wanted to. Yeah. It just but, it limits the number of disciplines. Right. That but the yeah, between yeah, the discipline, like everybody could play a Bruja, but yes, your disciplines are all fight based. But with the way the skills work in that game, you could still have somebody who has a lot of the diplomatic and high social skills, even though they have a you know crap ton of fighting disciplines. So yeah. it's one of those even in games that don't that don't have classes, you still kind of want to mix, but. Everybody, it's easier for everybody to be quote unquote the same. Yeah, we're all the same I mean, clan or we're all the same tribe from Werewolf, but because of the versatility of the way skills and attributes work in that game, it's not the same as saying we're all fighters in yeah. like a, a game like Pathfinder or D anD. D. Yeah, yeah. I think Blade, Blade is a good example because that's one that's the game's so well designed that yeah. you can you can play it with anybody. Any, any character in the class, and it gives you the ability to, you know, I'd rather that not happen, I'm going to take some stress. So if yeah. something starts to go wrong and you don't have the right type of character in the party, you still have the ability to be like, alright, we can we can resolve this. Yeah. Although once you take too much stress, things go downhill real well, fast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just but, like in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Just like in real life. You really need to take care of your stress levels. Um, keep an eye on that. And uh, what what Heather was hitting on there, and honestly, what you just said there is also... It it hits on something I I made a note of a little bit later for advice for Game Masters. Because Heather was talking about, like, in White Wolf, sure, your disciplines are the same if you're all the same clan. Or, you know, if you're uh, playing Werewolf, sure, your your gifts are the same pool if you're the same tribe. Your skills can be different. And it's kind of the same in Blades of the Dark, that, yeah, the special abilities that you get from your class can be are oftentimes the same if you're all the same class, but your individual skills might be different. The allocation of your skills might be different. 
And I think something that needs to be mentioned when it comes to the importance of party composition is that it's not just about a mechanical thing of making sure that you're good to survive any encounter or that you can tackle these certain problems. It's also so that everyone feels useful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it is like, it's right. nice to be, you know, I have a role. And so when that role steps forward, I'm the best. Like me, the player, I'm the best at this one. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you have like, you know, everyone in this party is good at stealth. So it's like, all right, well, so we all stealth. It's like, that's fine. But if it's also like, all right, well, I'm not actually the best at intelligence roles and I'm not actually the face person because this other person is slightly better at me than that. So I've made a character that is okay at everything, but there's never really that moment for that player to feel like that character shines. What's that TV show thing, the five-man band? The five-man band. Oh, yeah, the TV trope. Yeah, yeah, and it's almost like it's that can almost also apply to tabletop RPGs that... You know, you still want the person that's like the face, and you still want the person that's you know the quote you unquote the, leader. You have your you have your leader, so <laughs> usually like they're the kind of the face character. You have the lancer that's just kind of the counterpoint to them, and usually has similar abilities, but is they're strong where the leader is weak. You know, you're mm-hmm. Leo and you're Raphael. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you know, usually you would see it as like the leader is probably going to be your. DPS character, your heavy hitter, your damage dealer, whereas like the Lancer would be like the I can take a lot of, you know, punishment. You've got your big guy, which is usually the I do everything physical. You've got your smart person, which is your Donatello of like, I know all the, the technological stuff. And then you've got your, your heart character, which is the one that everyone always overlooks because of uh, Captain Planet. <laughs> the heart rate that wasn't, wasn't as useful, but you know, it didn't do cool things like shoot fire. I try not to take offense because I think somebody called me the heart. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just saying, well, that's the problem the problem is is people do have a negative perception of the heart but the the thing with the heart character is the that's usually the character that is the like face or at the very least is the one that it's like I'm the empathetic one I'm the one that understands people's motives I'm the one that understands you know you're the one that's making all those uh interpersonal skill checks yeah, so it's basically I guess what I'm trying to say is that yes the party composition has to do with your stat on the page mm. but there's other things you guys can be other things that people could be good at this is my role that doesn't necessarily you know, if you have two rogues in the party, yeah, the slot's filled, but maybe one of them's more of a diplomatic character and the yeah. face, and the other one's more of the sneaky, sneaky yeah. you know, I'm going to do the stealth stuff while you guys are distracting the guards type situation. Yeah. So even if there are people with the same basic things, or you have, like, the same class, don't... Don't feel like that if there's already a rogue in the party, you don't you can't play a rogue because there's yeah. other ways to make your character synergize besides just yeah. your yeah. classes and your stats. Yeah, I mean you can you, you can know, definitely you synergize on personality yeah. um, more than anything, right? Because like there's there's a need like it's a really boring adventure from a roleplay perspective if everybody is carbon copies of each other, right? Like so having different opinions, different life experiences, different attitudes, like creates a little like you don't want like crazy drama where everybody's fighting all the time, but it's nice to have a little bit of drama where you need to have those discussions and work through a problem from, like, different perspectives. Yeah. Uh, we also have the problem, though, as they, I think we get to this when we talk about the players at the table instead of the characters, if you've got a lot of overlap, you have one really strong-headed character who always wants to be the one doing everything. Yes. And they kind of roll over the other characters, then, you know, then it becomes a little less fun. And you... Yeah. Then, it, like, when I played... My Ruin Lords campaign, I switched characters twice. And each mm-hmm. time it was because I had 
a character who was basically obsolete because other people could do what they could do. And I yeah. kept backing mm-hmm. off and trying to fit into an opening that we had. And then characters would take a feat and suddenly they could do all the new stuff that I could do. So that yeah. thing, and Rick does this a lot when I listen that um, I really like where he will specifically say, not that you guys do that to each other, but he still is very careful to say, Jordan, what do you do now? Jessica, what are you doing? I mean, so he's, he's making sure that, you know, even if one character is predominant in a scene, everyone's getting their say, which I think is, is kind of key when you have four or five people sitting at a table talking over each other. Yeah, and see, I think that highlights something about party composition that a lot of people don't think about is the GM or DM or whatever you want to call the person that's running the, the game. Yeah. The they, they are also part of that composition. Yes. Just because mm-hmm. they don't have a PC, they're still the one that's hurting the cats that is everybody else. And yeah. depending on how they want to run the game, how their opinions on everything are influences how everybody else is going to work together yeah. or how it's going to flow. Keep in mind that when you're thinking about party composition as well, the GM is just as big of a part of that as the players. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. there's a certain type of story that they're trying to tell. And a lot of times you want to make a character that kind of fits that vision. Sometimes yeah. I think. Like, like I think. Rick is a very storytelling focused game master. If, you know, we were playing with someone that was really hyper-focused on combat and that they didn't really care so much about the story, they just want to go from point A to point B, you know, go into the dungeon, kill the monsters, get the treasure, kind of MMO-type mentality, you know, where they skip all the cutscenes, they're not going to have as much fun at Rick's table as other people's tables. And there's nothing wrong with that, it's just... Like I said, I think people overlook the GM as part of the synergy and party composition angle. Well, and it's also the GM, you know, you kind of have the role of being referee, so you, you need to pay attention to what players are doing at the yeah. table. And yeah. if somebody's not having it. fun, like, you know, when you're talking about replacing, having to change your character, that's also something the GM should pick up on and be like, hey, I feel like you're kind of having a struggle with this character. What can we do to make sure you're having fun at my table? Yeah. yeah. You know, well, that's a that's a really good um, organic segue. I know I said a minute ago that we're going to talk about um, aligning character stuff, transitioning over to talking about like the game master's role as part of this uh, part of the table. Like what you're saying there is like it goes back to one the the communication, which is always so important. Um, you know, and two, it is when you're talking party composition, you you kind of can't talk party composition. You can to a degree, but you really shouldn't talk party composition in a vacuum. You really should be considering like what is the party composition even mechanically, but also in the context of what story is going to be run. You know, if you're doing Mummy's Mask versus doing Tyrant's Grasp versus doing War for the Crown, like what you need for Mummy's Mask is actually grossly different than what you need for War for the Crown. Like I stress to everyone mm-hmm. when they make characters for War for the Crown. Can you imagine Narmer and War for the yeah. Crown if I was playing with Sika? <laughs> yeah. we would, the Civil War would be on already. Full-fledged yeah. fighting in the streets. Yeah. And nobody would be able to take you stuff. seriously. If they, we were in these galas and there's just a little robot fish yeah, fan. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like when we sat down to do War for the Crown, I stress to everyone. I was like, there's diplomacy, there's intimidation, and there's bluff. Have one of these three skills. I don't care which one you have. Try to cover all of them. But you have to have one of those because you're going to be doing social interaction checks. So if you need to take a background trait that gives you one of those skills, 
do it because if you're going to be, if you're a barbarian that your entire thing is I smash stuff, <laughs> you're going to be real bored in the first quarter of book three. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, or book two for that matter. Honestly, book one. Like, yeah, all the books. Bored. You're just going to yeah, be bored. <laughs> you're just going to have a lot of times where you're just sitting there going like, I guess I wait for the grand melee. Like, I don't really know what I'm doing here. <laughs> um, and so like, what your what is a good part of composition for a story is so dependent upon what the story is. Yes. Mm-hmm. The story um, plays a huge part in that. Yeah. When we started characters for Mummy's Mask, not to go into any spoilers at all for Mummy's Mask, although I think that this is a proper inference. Yeah. Don't worry. No spoilers. Um, I think this is a proper inference from reading the player's guide to Mummy's Mask. Mummy's Mask is the only, to my knowledge, Mummy's Mask has the only campaign trait that gives you a flipping class feature. It's a, it has a campaign trait in Mummy's Mask that gives you trap finding. That should tell you how important trap finding is in the story of Mummy's Mask. Mm-hmm. You are going to explore ancient Egyptian themed tombs, famous Stop. for their curses no traps and there. traps. Also, it's so one of those things where it's important to talk ahead of time so you don't have three characters that all start with the letter S. That is true. Uh, in retrospect, that was a problem. I like the names of S's. It's true. And so, like, that's a small amount of, but that is also, like, you know, party composition is make sure that your characters' names don't all sound alike um, <laughs> so that you don't run into that same problem. But, again, for the Game Master, I think it, it's important. I mentioned this a couple of times, and I know this is a small brand, and I don't mean this as a dig against anyone whose Game Master style happens to be this. Um, I think a lot of people, when they're Game Masters, are so paranoid about their players getting the slightest hint of what the story might be about. Mm. That they're like, I need to keep everything so secret. You hoard your secrets like dragons. You hoard, you just yeah. sit there, you just clutch them to you, and then you never let them go. I'm very much into, like, I don't spoil major plot points, but people will come to me and just go, like, Ross, early on for Hell's Rebels, not really a spoiler here, but he was just like, I want my character to be an orphan. In the player's guide, it mentions there's an orphanage. Can my character have been from that orphanage before that orphanage shut down? And I knew, yeah, that orphan does play into this adventure. Yes, please do. And that kind of goes back to, like, if you're a game master, you should work with your players to help promote that um, that party composition because you want to make sure that everyone, when they sit down, the end goal is that everyone's having fun. And to do that, people need to know enough about the story to make a character that works well with the other characters, but also is able to contribute. Because, again, like uh, like you were just saying, Eric, it really sucks to have to go, well, this character isn't actually contributing to this group. Yeah. So even if I like the character because of the character roleplay, um, even if I like the character because of the story that I have for this character, I'm not getting enjoyment out of it. Because everyone, and this isn't just tabletop gaming, this is real life, Everyone wants to feel wanted. Everyone wants to feel useful. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to feel needed to a degree because that gives us a sense of fulfillment. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, then also the GM can't tell the story by themselves. So if you don't remember <clears throat> that the players are part of helping you tell the story, yeah, it's really right. hard to help you tell a story if you tell us nothing. Yeah. Because yeah. then we'll just tell our own story and it may have nothing to do with yours. Well, or you're setting you're setting your party up for failure because like let's just say we're doing a homebrew campaign, there is no like, you know, um player handout or anything for it. And uh I decide to make a character that is uh really good at fighting demons. 
Well, guess what? There's not a single demon in this entire adventure path. My character is not going to have a chance to shine. Yeah. Ergo, I will not have a fun time. Or I'm a fire wizard. I do fire everything, oh, yeah, and yeah. then we're in hell. <laughs> yeah. yeah, where everything's immune to fire. Yeah, right. exactly. Or we're it's in the plane of fire. <laughs> yeah, it, it yeah. is one of those things where it's like, as a GM, like you will save yourself a lot of drama and upset players if you give them enough so that they make a useful character. Or yes. like DMs who won't tell rangers what type of enemies you're fighting. The oh, that's, yeah, that's tough. And I'm the, like... So they can take their favorite enemy. An enemy. Yeah. It's like at least that throw them Throw the mode, yeah. at least with that. You right. know what I mean? I mean, I think that's why there's so many yeah. rangers with favorite enemy human. Yep. <laughs> well, I'm not going to fight people. You're going to fight a human at some point? Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah I think one, one of my DMs likes to say, it's just like with a dog. If you don't give it something to do, he's going to make something to do. Mm-hmm. Your character becomes that chaos monkey who's going to derail your campaign. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. The character no longer has anything to do. Okay, well, I'm going to walk off this way. And yeah. I'm going to teleport to some city that's not even in this campaign. And now, tell me what's happening in that city. Yeah. And it's like, great. <laughs> I have my own opinions on that, but I could make an entire separate thing about that. <laughs> um, um, again, when you do that session zero, to talk about both the, these are the things that you should have as far as the character is concerned, but also to establish things along the lines of like... Uh, you are not only dealing with, and I think this kind of segues back to when you're just talking about the actual players at the table. You are not just dealing with characters. You're also dealing with people. Um, I've been in games before where I have had the, the misfortune of having to ask a player to leave the game because they made other players uncomfortable. And so when you're talking composition of a table, not just of the characters at the table, but also of the players at the table... You know, you a lot of times do need to have those guidelines set up first. Like Heather was talking about, you know, making certain that people understand what the story's about. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that is sitting down and just going like, hey guys, we're going to be running a game and my friend's bringing his 12-year-old son. So understand that, like, keep profanity to a minimum. Keep the sexual windows and all the FTP after dark. <laughs> keep it after dark. Yeah, yeah. That's just something that no one else knows about. Or dark. <laughs> um, keep all of that like under control as well because um, sometimes you have to understand like this is what my table composition is you know and that's kind of comes into like the whole uh, what do they call them uh, X cards or something like that oh, oh yeah like lines you and veils yeah. yeah that you should have an understanding of like if you have someone there that is a parent and they're just like if you want to throw cannibals at us if you want to throw spiders the size of mountains or you know whatever other things like if you want to really explore like these dark concepts that's great please no violence against children because I don't want to imagine that because I can take that very personally we're playing a Call of Cthulhu game for my birthday yeah we did it's basically some of the aspects of it are stranger things but the adults are actually doing something about it so there's a lot of Interacting with spoilers, we're adults. Yeah, and it's (laughs) one of those. For any Call of Cthulhu people out there, we're playing Wasted Youth. So, I can understand how some people could have issues with some of the things that have gone down in this game. So, like Rick's saying, if people are parents and don't really like to think about bad things happening to kids, you should know that before you sit down to play this type of game with them. Yeah. Boundaries are a thing that everybody should have in real life and and also in a game. Yeah. yeah. Boundary and people should respect those boundaries too, you know? Yeah. Well, or sometimes, like, Jordan and I played in a game once where the GM threw PvP at us. 
And I was oh, like, without, I have zero yeah, without consent, in this. and that was a nightmare. Yeah. It was like surprise. Actually, you're gonna kill each other, and I was like, mm, yeah. I had a in Rollmaster. One of my characters was a barbarian who was way overpowered, and at mm. one point, someone tried to control him and tell him to kill the party, and the whole party was like, oh, we're effed, you know, because I was I was doing basically their hit points worth of damage each round. Yeah, and uh, he talked to me afterwards. He's like. I, I, I'm sorry I did that to you. Of course, I, I made my bull safe suit. Yeah. And, uh, he's like, I'll, I'll check with you in the future before I do that. And I was like, I've already, I'm like Batman. I've already got my, my strategy planned for how I would have killed them all. So, that would be fun. <laughs> well, that, that's but, different because that's, you know, there's dice luck involved. Yeah. This was the story was. Yeah. The story you know, of it did not give us, yeah, it did not give us a chance to, like, it's, it's non-consensual things where, like, I didn't even have a chance to say no, right? Yeah. It was weird. That's yeah. what made it really uncomfortable. Yeah, I mean, yeah. we had a, a situation, I, I think everybody knows at this point, but I've, I've lost my mom. Yeah. And I remember we were playing, I think it, it might have been a society thing or something, and there was a whole theme about that. And I remember, like, I just slowly exited the table, and I sent Rick a text message, and I was like, let me know when it's done. Yeah. And Because he knew and everything, so I just kind of left the room and went to the bathroom, got a drink, whatever, because I just... That there's certain aspects of that that I couldn't handle. It was very fresh. And, and so then he just waited, and then I finally got a text message. He goes, okay, you're good to come back. And then I came back in, and it was fine. And, you know, sometimes you have to be cognizant of that kind of stuff. Yes. As far as, like, um, interpersonal relationships and all the rest of that stuff, it's like there is a certain understanding of that when you're talking about party composition as well, where, um, you know, like, I think Jessica and Jordan and Rachel and I are both good at the fact that even though – they're married, we're married, don't usually play characters that are, like, romantically involved with one another. And I think I've dated more of Rachel's characters in-game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Dating Rachel's characters is always in-game. Yeah. <laughs> she makes nice characters. I'm very dateable. <laughs> I not in real life. <laughs> I would argue against that. But, uh, but it, it does go back to... Uh, I'm not going to name any names or anything like that, but, you know, I had a, a friend group that uh, Heather and I and Ross, we used to play with. Um, it was before I even uh, met Rachel and Jessica um, and before Jessica even met Jordan. And uh, there was always this, uh, it, would, it would come up because it actually bothered one of them is that they would make characters. They were dating in real life. They would make characters and their characters inevitably hated one another. <laughs> Over flag. and over and over again. To the point that it very much bothered her that he would make characters that almost specifically attempted to annoy <laughs> her character. And eventually they separated. And you know, sometimes sometimes when you're looking at like table composition, you have to like understand where it's, you know, oh, I'm going to bring in this person that I have a relationship with. Is it a good relationship? Um, is it a relationship that works well at the table? You know, it's... Uh, and which works it's not just romantically speaking if it's just like oh this is my friend and we've been friends for years but like when that person is around that other friend suddenly both of their care like the characters that they make are way it's more like when you're in elementary school and you can't sit next to your best friend in class yeah yeah <laughs> well or um, if you get along just fine but you bring in characters with like i almost said oppositional defiance with that hello like they're opposite <laughs> of each other personality words are so hard today their personalities clash? Is that what you're yeah, to Yeah, but their ideologies clash. That's the word, ideologies. Like, on yours and Segura, we're never going to be friends. Yeah. 
if the two players can play that type of character and in a way that is fun. Mm-hmm. And there's been a few times where our characters on the podcast have kind of gotten into it. Oh, yeah. Uh, there was a one in Mummy's Mask where my character and Rachel's character were pretty much screaming at each other. <laughs> yeah. Mommy and Daddy were fighting. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Um, yeah, we had a lot of we had people email and go, "Oh my gosh, are Rachel and Heather okay?" And we were like, "What is everybody even talking about?" Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. we had finished that session and got up and went to lunch yeah. and carried on like mm-hmm. nothing, you know, had even happened. But but there are some some people that yeah. don't that aren't able to separate. Yes. That right. wasn't me yelling at Rachel. Yeah. That was And that's not to say know, that like we probably were maybe irritated with each other cuz you get into your characters, mm-hmm. but then we kind of decompress yes. and we were like, oh, that was your character. This was my character. We're okay. It's not and anything we carried over into yeah. like the next session or even like the next day when I was yeah. talking to Rachel. You well, know? It's, it's fun to plan that. Like Jordan and I went into War for the Crown knowing we were going to be on bad terms. Yeah, like that was yeah. that was planned and we agreed that we were going to be on bad terms so that it was... Because marriage is fine. Yeah, because yeah, we're fine. All right? of this, all this of is this, not us working through family therapy. <laughs> all of this basically, and again, as Rick has said, a thousand times already boils down to communication. Yes. Yeah. So if something happens in the game and characters start going at it, you need to one make sure everybody's okay with that even happening in the game. Some people yeah. don't want that kind of conflict. Yeah. So and, some people get very uncomfortable just in conflict in general. And then yeah. two, yeah. after the session's over, you know, check in and make sure that those players are yeah. okay with each other. It's like you know mm-hmm. that was just in game. You guys, you know. It's not real. real. Yeah, yeah especially, yeah, especially yeah. if somebody has a negative reaction to that. Like you might have two characters that are that are arguing, and then one person just goes completely silent yeah. and like completely checks out of the game. Like that's a sign that like they did not have a good time with that, right? And like, that's another yeah. thing with kind the of composi- a, table composition, which yeah. leads to party composition. Is you need to know and trust the people you're at the table with. Yeah. Trust you know. yeah. Well, um, oh, yeah. Eric, you mentioned uh, earlier when, I can't remember if you mentioned earlier in the stream here or if it was when we were chatting before we started, but you mentioned that you introduced a friend of yours to tabletop gaming. Um, and you're talking about how like he makes these amazingly well-built characters and like loves the tactic side of things. That's always such an interesting thing because that gets into the idea of play style. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. some people like to go like, okay, we're going to sit down like you know, one person's like, what I want to do is, like, I want to make Aragorn. Like, I want this epic Lord of the Rings yeah. story. And then another person's over there. It's Roger. like, I'm really just here for, like, a top-down tactics game. I'm here for XCOM. Like, yes. I play XCOM. <laughs> like, I'm moving through cover and, you know, like, and, yeah. and providing, you know, covering fire. And you have another person that's just like, I really just want to play fantasy Real Housewives. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and, like, meshing those different personalities together because right. you... Because that's the thing is not only are you trying to make characters who mechanically mesh, you're trying to make characters whose personalities mesh while also trying to make the group at the table's personalities mesh enough to tell a cohesive story that everyone gets something out of. And even if people have different play styles, as long as they're not messing up everybody else's opportunity to do the thing they like, it's okay. Yeah. It's funny that you say that, though, because that player, you made a character who was a ranger named Pacer. Because Strider yep. was already taken. Right? <laughs> so you're saying he wanted to make Aragorn. That's exactly what he did. In yep. this campaign, where right now he's playing um, a Magus. And my character is, not only is she the healing witch, she's also a, very much a pacifist. 
So mm. she's always like, as soon as we've got the enemy <clears throat> down, like, okay, they're down, don't kill them. His character is kind of feral. So yeah. in the beginning <laughs> of the campaign, we would get the, the enemy down, and then he'd walk over and kill him. So I would go off on him. And it was exactly what you were just talking about. Heather. You know, I had to finally explain to him, and I think he understood a little bit, but I had to explain to him afterwards, that was Ray High. That was my character yelling at your character. Yeah, that was not at Eric. Yeah, that was the, the right thing to do. Yeah, yeah, we've had the same dynamics. Yeah. 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 Well, Eric, well, Eric was hoping that someone would go over and kill that guy so that he'd have to deal with it. But my character, as a pacifist, wanted them to live so we yeah. could negotiate. And you have to, I had to explain it to him. This is Eric, or this is Ray I, one or the other. Yeah. yeah. This this is this is me as my character, this is my own viewpoint as far as like, you know, I, if I'm playing a follower of Serenity or something like that, it's like you have to understand, or the classic conundrum of having the paladin in the group, where yeah. it's like, I have this code, I follow. So don't make the player of the paladin's life hard by making a character that specifically goes against everything that the paladin stands for. Um, well, on the other side of that is... Don't play a paladin where it makes no sense to play a paladin. Well, no. Yeah, like, like don't if, play a paladin. For we're gonna have to break into houses and steal yeah, stuff. It, I'm playing a paladin. Again, <laughs> depends on the adventure whether you can't. Like again, like playing a. I'm a lawful good character in a place where you have to be like more neutral or more on the chaotic side. You're going to have a bad time, right? Like, don't play a paladin in Skull and Shadows. Yeah, that's what I was actually about yeah. to say. Yeah. It's like, don't play a paladin when you're in the pirate campaign. Yeah, don't yeah. do it just to be contrary. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. If you, if you're like really gunning, like you just really want to play a paladin. Don't shoehorn it into the wrong story. So, so <laughs> this actually this, this kind of this kind of touches on. Uh, the three things that I want to talk about, about making characters beyond the mechanics of it, which are that all the characters should have an aligned objective. Uh, one of the things that I always hate, you mentioned it very shortly in passing there, Eric. And again, no dig it if, if this was actually something that happened in one of your, uh, your games, but one, the group should have an aligned goal that gives everyone a motivation. Mm-hmm. So if I sit down and I say, Hey, we're going to do a game. This game takes place in the city of Corvosa. All the characters should have a reason to want to help the city of Corvosa. That provides the motivation right there. Because the reason I tell you this is so that that you don't have that narrative dissonance in your head of like, why is my character still doing this? Yeah. Like, why am I even involved here? Um, that, I think that's part of the composition of everyone should have a single thing that unites them that says, regardless of what happens, these four characters have to work as a team to accomplish the goals of this adventure path. So I need to provide in my character a reason why I'm willing to work as part of a group. Because if you make that that loner character where it's just like, I'm the dark, brooding loner I that doesn't like to work Corvosa. with anyone else. It's like, and I'm in the city of Corvosa just because that happens to be where I was at the time and don't really care about this town. It's like, okay, so when everything starts throwing to crap, what's your motivation? Yeah, why wouldn't you, you know? just leave? And you, can, you always, a lot of people cling to that motivation of just like, well, I'm in it for the money. It's like, okay, but at some point you might reach a point where you no one's paying you anymore. Yeah. yeah. You you have to be self-motivated. Basically, there's an end objective in every adventure you need to be aligned in doing. You yeah. might have your own side quests and side interests and things that you want to do, but at the end of the day, you will all have to come together to do yeah. this one objective. Well, right? like yeah. in Skull and Shackles, that's a... If you want to be money motivated, that's a good one to be money motivated. Yeah. Sure, yeah. None of us made any characters who cared about money... 
And none of us made any Indiana Jones characters, and so we had a double of a time. Jordan was like, "Okay." Oh, uh, you're talking. You, you said serpent skull. serpent skull, mask skull, and shackle. Dang it! <laughs> I'm going to ask Jessica not to slap that chair though, because it's sending a reverb through the. The floor here is very reverby, so. Uh, <laughs> There's a dumb mouth. I know you want to slap Jordan. Yeah, but, but yeah, slap Jordan, not the chair. Yeah, you hit Jordan instead. Yeah, so yeah, but <laughs> serpent skull is Spousal very much. Abuse. <laughs> Servant Skull is very much a um, an adventure about adventure, exploration, you know, discovering lost civilizations and making money. Yeah. So, like, you can one person can be like, I'm here for adventure. I'm here. Somebody else is like, I want to discover lost civilizations. Somebody else can say, I'm here. I'm in it for the money. But at the end of the day, you're all aligned in we're going to go, you know, to this place and fully explore it. Meanwhile, right? I think we were all running to hide from someone. It, yes. just, it was one of those, yeah. like, it was the a weird it, guy didn't give us enough. Yeah, there was a so, weird synergy yeah. there. Yeah. Very, very minor, sort of. And I'm, it's more on like a conceptual level for the entire adventure path. There are a couple of adventure paths that famously have um, either a bait and switch <laughs> um, or they famously have a like. This is the point where the entire party, if they have not found a cohesive reason to stay together, will run into that narrative dissidence of why are we doing this? Mm-hmm. At the end of book one for Skull or for uh, Serpent Skull is the exact same yeah, problem. Yeah, 100%. Where um, if you reach the end of book one and then transition into book two, there's only really one motive that would take you forward into book two. And if your character isn't actually motivated by that, of which there's nothing in the player's guide to actually hint that that should yeah. be your motivation. Mm-hmm. Then things fall apart. Yeah, um, we, famously, we struggle. yeah, you know, famously the um, again very minor spoiler for uh, this adventure path, but famously in Second Darkness, Second Darkness has a point where it transitions to a completely different storyline um, that has been hinted at up until mm-hmm. that point. But it basically is like so: if you made a character that's completely designed around what it says in the player's guide. It's very hard to find a motivation for that character actually moving forward, and that's where the game masters. Uh, communicating really comes in as much as I love and I do I love the Paizo adventure paths I also acknowledge that they are plotted out by one person then handed out to six different writers Mm -hmm. who write the six stories not necessarily simultaneously but with some interaction with one another but it is six different people each of them it's that uh, what is the the uh, the analogy of the the blind man and the elephant, or something like that, or whatever it is, oh, where it's like each person when they touch they touch a different part of the elephant, and it's just like, oh, it's the oh, trunk. Right. It's like, oh, I'm holding a snake, or like, oh, this oh, is a tree, yeah. etc. It's a very similar thing of like if you only have one piece of the pic- the puzzle, sometimes things can get lost when you're trying to combine it into a single picture, yeah. and that's really where the game master comes in. And when it comes to the motives and, and coming up with a good party composition, a good party that would work together well, um, and their motivations work together well, that's where you can stumble. Mm-hmm. But that does kind of uh, get into the idea of like the second thing that I was going to mention, which is also when you're making characters, sometimes you really need to look at what you want for that character's development, that character's arc. So, for instance, like, if you're making a character and you're like, my character's arc is a redemption story, or if you're making a character and it's like, my character's arc is... Learning you know, to trust again. Learning to trust again. Then having that expressed to the rest of the group would help if you're like, well, I want to do a redemption story, and someone else is like, well, I'm an irredeemable evil person that will be constantly tempting you to do bad things. Then you're making a character that is counter to that. Yeah. Um, if your entire thing is, again, if you're playing a paladin, and you're just like, hey, like guys, I would really love to play a paladin for this. And then someone else goes, great, I'm going to make a character that is utterly 
horribly evil and constantly breaking the law. Mm-hmm. And so that you're constantly having to justify not only why you are working with me, but why you aren't literally smiting me. Yeah. Because you're allowed to work with evil for the purpose of overcoming a greater evil, so loophole, but also I am going to be burning it down in an orphanage in front of you. Yeah, One, per day. There's, yep. there's One per day. There's a difference between, there's a difference between creating orphans. a character that might be a foil to yours, <laughs> yes. or that could lead to good storytelling and whatnot, and then there's one that's just doing it because you just kind of want to mess with the other person. Yeah. So yeah, to use the modern parlance, don't make a character to troll another character. Yeah. Yes. Yes. It's so. just, sometimes it can just take away from the overall experience. Now, well, and, like, and both people are on board with it. And yeah. And you have some plan to resolve the thing. Yeah. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, like, you want to have everybody understand you want to make space for everybody to get their character development done. So if you're, I've made a character that has a really complex um, character arc that's going to take all six books to get done. That's a good design as long as it doesn't mean you only can focus on that one thing. Because, like, part of the game is definitely seeding time to get everybody's chance to develop and grow their characters. And, you know, if you guys work together and find one that really works together to get two or three people growing together, that's really great. Um, But don't make a character that's like, I'm going to go, I have to go on this long, drawn out quest to avenge my father and, you know, all this stuff. Well, where's your father? Not in this adventure path. He's in somewhere else. Like, you're going to have a bad time. (laughs) You're going to have a bad time. Well, and also, you know, don't be afraid to change your character arc. Sometimes you get into it, you're like, oh, yeah. Yeah. The problem with coming up with a character arc is if you're the player, you don't actually know the story. Yeah. And therefore, it's like, well, I came up with this idea of my character is going to be redeemed. Or even vice versa, where you're just like, I want to make a character that falls from grace. You must get so sick of us when we start making characters for a new AP, considering the thousand questions we all bombard you with. No, but that's the thing. is, I'm not sick of that, because <laughs> what I want more than anything is... Well, what I want more than anything is to tell a great story. Yeah. The second thing that I want is for everyone to get a sense of fulfillment out of that mm-hmm. story that they are participating in. Sometimes if you write too complicated of a backstory, just getting into the whole idea of like making a backstory and everything and tying this back into party composition. Um, sometimes if you make too complicated of a backstory, that character has basically had all of their experiences up until this point. So it's like, here's a narrative void You're that doesn't actually adventure. involve any of the other characters here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. At this point, it's like, well, my character is in concrete. This is, I've chiseled this out of stone. This character will never change. It doesn't matter if like, Jordan makes this character that is, like, romantically perfect for Heather's character. But I wrote in my backstory that I found my one true love one time previously, and then and I died tragically in my arms, and then I will never be romantically involved in it with anyone ever again, and I'm unwilling to deviate from that period. Or again, if it's like, Jessica makes a this roguish character that it's like, my character is you know, cruel and jaded because of everything that's happened in the world. And then Rachel makes this character that is bubbly and outgoing. And it's like, it would logically make sense. It maybe is even happening organically that this character is pulling me out of my shell. We love it. Yeah. But then if Jessica just went, no, 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 I don't want, I'm not going to change my character. My character, like, I'm going to stay here inside of my shell forever. Never am I coming out. So making characters that organically uh, evolve over the course of the story, that that change over the course of the story. Don't make an oyster, make a hermit crab. Yes, a hermit crab. (laughs) 
You just like screw this old shell, you throw it away, and then you find a new shinier shell uh, that you yeah, plant inside. Just don't do that. I don't think. Well, it's I a very think, good analogy. Yeah, but it's, yeah. it's also one of those things. Like it's it's always good to react to the story, right? Yes. So like you know, my character's learning to trust again, and then some eldritch horror comes out that we're fighting. Don't it's like uh, maybe I regress a little bit, and now I yeah. don't trust as much because you know, well, I, I, my best friend turned out to be a boogeyman or whatever. You know, like, <laughs> God. <laughs> Yeah. That's a weird backstory. I don't know why I went. I don't, I don't know why I went boogeyman. I was gonna say <laughs> yeah. doppelganger and boogeyman come out of my mouth. So I mean, boogeyman are terrible. They're like, horrible. They're terrible. Speaking you were of raised by a boogeyman. Speaking of no violence to children. <laughs> yeah. Now you have trust issues. Um, I don't think I mentioned it at the top that we are going to be doing a Q and A at the end of this. So if you do have any questions, I think we answered a few of them. If we have some more uh, to address as we go into the Q and A, but. Uh, uh, do you have any closing thoughts, um, Eric, that like anything that you had on your list, uh, your Venn diagram that you didn't get a chance to <laughs> get to? You know, everything just moved to the middle. It's all right okay. in the middle. Everything's the right. Diagram now. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's turned no, into I mean, a this, delicious this was, ice cream sandwich. <laughs> this was great. I mean, I, I think what I said, I think it was before we started the stream, but the thing I said was, you know, I, it was, I was back in October when we um, set this date. And uh, yeah. at the time I was like, I got five months. I'm going to do research. I'm going to be so, so smart. <laughs> and the more I researched, the more I find out you, you, there's no answer. I mean, yes. Is it story? Is it gameplay? Is it technical skill? I mean, it, yes. it all depends yes. on the player and the table and the DM. And, yeah. And, and honestly, then, you know, Rick, you, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, I was, I was just going to compliment Rick, but that, that doesn't oh, matter. That's that's nobody wants to hear that. Nobody wants to hear that. <laughs> Rick doesn't want that. I, I, I think he kind of hit the nail on the head there that there's no answer for everyone. It depends on who you're playing with, your GM, and how your table plays the game. Yep. What's so the, uh... what's good party composition for us at Find the Path is not going to be the best composition and synergy for a group of people no. that are way more focused on combat than we are. So yeah. it's basically figure out what works for you and your friends and how you like to play the game. And as long as everybody's meshing and it's not causing real conflict or character conflict that everybody else is sick of, you know, then have fun. Play the game. The golden yeah. rule. Yeah. Talk to each other. Yeah. Well, it's it's the what, what's the quote from uh, Pirates of the Caribbean? It's they're not rules; they're more guidelines. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> All right. Question so, from Caffeine. Uh, I I did want to mention real quick, just to do a quick kind of summary thing. So I think it does kind of take away of do a session zero. Game masters talk to your players, let them know what they should be expecting. Players, players talk, talk to, to your players. players. Talk players to the other the players end. to really make a group that kind of um, not just coexist well as uh, mechanically speaking they're complement and synergize with one another but also that um, personality wise that there's not going to be any undue conflicts and all the rest of that stuff and just be open be very communicative with one another so if you're really sitting down if you're worried about party composition the game master should have the answers for you um, and should, should be willing to say, like, if you're like, should I be playing a sorcerer here? We're going to be doing Tyrant's Grasp. How often will I be able to buy gear? Do not play a gear-built character. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're, you're playing, playing an alchemist, you're, you're going to have a bad you're gonna time. You're going to have some <laughs> You're going to have a bad time. Um, Unless you want to have a bad time. <clears throat> yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, some people are like that. Some people are into that. Some people want to play it on hard mode and just be like, well, I guess I just don't do anything but throw the occasional bomb. But with what materials? But with what materials? <laughs> so, Yeah. Really, I think at the end of the day, the composition thing is... Mechanic composition is important, but really, I think the, the most important thing at the end of the day is making certain that you are... I know it's cliche. Making certain that everyone at the table is having fun, you're having fun at the table. And I think probably the most important thing is 
making feel certain that your character feels needed, useful, feels involved in the story. Feels because, wanted also, because yeah. there's nothing worse than being like, well, I've, I've made this wonderful character who people only talk to when they need something, yeah. right? Like, you, you want somebody that they actually want to be around and ask their opinion and stuff. So, you know, again, don't make the character that everybody's like, all right, cleric, I need healing. And then they don't talk to you ever again because it's like well, it's just an unpleasant person. And maybe maybe go to church with them. That's all I'm saying. They've been giving you healing. Go to church with your clients. Um, Not church. Temple. Temple, whichever. All right, Kathy now asks, thoughts about incorporating some of the excellent party composition and character arc advice for shorter form games like Pathfinder Society, where you're basically in a different for every adventure. Um, the number one thing that I think is oftentimes overlooked with Pathfinder Society is that they do have the three rules. Um, the, what is it? Uh, observe, observe or explore, uh, report, cooperate. Yeah. And the big thing there is making a character that cooperates. Yeah. So I think sometimes people get so obsessed with like, this is my character idea. You know, this is my character. Um, especially because you're not part of a group that they forget that it's like this person Either, I mean, yeah, you could just say you're field promoted and all the rest of that stuff. But most, I think, Pathfinders went to school for three years. Yeah. Feasibly with these other people at some point or another. And so the idea that, you know, I know these people, I've been trained to work together as a group. Don't try to go into a, uh, a society module and showboat. Don't try to steal the mm-hmm. focus all for yourself. Go there with the idea of like sitting down first off and going like, you know, are you a rogue? Great, I'm a freehand fighter. I'm going to snagging strike these guys, so let me go in there first. Um, so even if you go a little bit before me, that way I can make them flat footed for you. You know, yeah, like communicate. really communicate. Yeah. Because uh, usually you have a couple minutes before the scenario even begins where you can talk to the other people at the table and just go, like, what are you playing? Okay, cool. Um, you know, like, importantly, um, and I think this just is a great rule, literally, it's society and otherwise. Do not tell someone else how to play their character. Mm-hmm. Don't say, oh, nope. you're playing the wizard? Great. Cast haste on me. Yeah. Um, don't tell someone else what to do with their turn. Don't tell them what spells to cast. Just encourage them to work with you. Be like, this is what I can do. What? How like, is what how you do? How could we work together so that it's a we do? <laughs> well, yeah. when, I play, when I make society characters, I tend to make a lot of jack-of-all-trades. Like, I always have a couple of roles that I can fulfill. Yeah. When I make, like... Uh, my first society to be character was a druid who had an animal companion. I often fell into healer, but also I could do a lot of damage because badgers are rad, especially at upper levels. And so it was like being flexible about where I fit was fine. And then generally, yeah, just being friendly and not a loner. Yeah, I, I think I think flexible is a good term for it in society because it's entirely possible that you roll up and there's people who do the same role that you do, right? So it's about, okay, well, I'm used to being the, the front, frontline fighter. I'm used to, you know, taking all of the, uh, you know, the people coming directly at me. How can I now work with multiple people, right? Like, let's work on flanks. Yeah. Let's work on, you know, one of us maybe is uh, more dex-based. So, like, they're the person who's going to be, you know, running around with the flanks and stuff like that is the kind of stuff that's, like, again, that first couple of minutes is, like, how do you... Quickly sum up your character, your role, and then how you're going to all work together is pretty much like I think the the biggest thing you can do as you go into a session with people you've never played with before. The other thing is like to just keep the 
the the people at the table good is I think a lot of us do this where we the dynamic that we have we cultivated over years right like I didn't start being like you know Captain Jokester for everything and you the, know at the very beginning right the first time I met Justin Jordan was to sit down and make Pathfinder characters yeah oh yeah that's true <laughs> yeah but it was you know you you want to be respectful of everybody so like again you pull back the off color jokes you pull back like anything that might be um, construed as offensive to anybody um, and like you know honestly be a good person and be on your best behavior is a good thing especially because like that's yeah. another good way also to invite people in to like cooperate with you as well is if you come out as a you know outgoing friendly person you've got a smile people are more likely to talk to you versus like if you're sitting there and your arms are crossed and you're you know looking off into the sunset right like people are going to be like, eh, maybe not somebody I want to cooperate with as much. So, like, you can do yourself a favor. Just, again, you're never fully dressed without a smile, right? Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> Sir. Um, It'd be way prettier, Jordan, if you smiled more. Yeah. Oh, speaking from a, speaking from a, as a, a Don't woman make point of view, I kind of hate that advice. That's, um, by, that's the joke. It's a joke yeah. from uh, Has Been Hotel, if you haven't watched it. Anyway. Um, also don't have to smile. What I was no. going to say is, you know, if you want to, sometimes if you play Society, you're playing, like, at the same local gaming store, or you're yeah. playing on our Discord server, or another Discord server, or somebody else's, you know, online thing. It's, if you want to try to incur and incorporate, like, character synergy like synergy with other characters maybe if you wind up playing in the same game with somebody several times maybe you talk to that person and say hey we've done like three or four scenarios together maybe you know we can mention you know kind of have our characters be friends so when we run into each other it's like oh yeah Yeah. hey i worked with you before maybe we went through the training to join the society together so even though it's not like a long-term campaign if you happen to be running with the same kind of groups of people just because of the way society is structured, you can make that character synergy and those connections just because, like I said, oh, we've run a few together. Let's talk about yeah. maybe how our characters know each yeah. other. I think Ross just said that. Is Ross dying with day night? Is that him? <laughs> yep, that's him over in the chat. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He basically just said the same thing. You know, kind of yeah. remember your interactions with the people in society because you may yep. you may yeah, run into them again, or yeah. they may run into someone that you've talked about in another game. And yeah, yeah shout yeah. out to so Willie who loves my badger. <laughs> <laughs> so it, yeah, it's a great thing that like even if you're just doing a small thing, like even if it's just like you know. I'm playing and Heather's playing and then, you know, like when our characters beat up, you know, you just go in for the predator. It's like, it's like, Dylan, you sort of like, you know, like you do the whole handshake thing, you know, the predator yeah. handshake and flex your pecs at each other. Yeah. It, Carl it, Weathers. Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. uh, um, pour but, one out for Carl Weathers. Cause yeah. Man's amazing. Yeah. It, was amazing. it is one of those things that's like, yeah, the, the, if you are an outgoing person and you, you know, can make people laugh. I find that's a great way to like immediately kind of put people at ease too. And extroverts, if you see the introverts and and you can tell that they want to get in and they're struggling, go help an introvert. Yes, go make room. We sometimes we need the nudge. Yeah, because sometimes those introverts get really extroverted in the game. They're they're a weird little mix, and sometimes they they need a nudge. Yeah, or it's just they're uncomfortable with new people. But you you know, if you want to make them feel welcome enough, they'll open up. All right, Raylan, we gotta continue. We've got more questions. Okay. Okay. Yep. Can oh this is from Ross. 
I'm reading it anyway. Um, can y'all give a one-line summary of your Call of Cthulhu characters for a player who wasn't able to make it? Uh, parentheses, Ross. <laughs> also, happy birthday, Heather. Oh, thank you, Ross. One line. One line summary. Oh, gosh. Your first. <clears throat> Why am I first? This is terrible. Um, okay, so... You want my one-line summary of each of your characters? Yes! Yes, yes, yes please, Rick. please, give her one-line summaries, because I'm not going to be concise. <laughs> All right. Jordan, former Great War soldier turned lawyer in a horrible marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Seeking to help his sugar daddy. <laughs> sugar daddy client. Client. Client, yes. Um... Jessica, speakeasy bartender himbo, really confused why he's even there. <laughs> always, always. Heather, uh, also former Great War soldier and automobile and radio enthusiast, playboy billionaire philanthropist. <laughs> I dare poor dreams. 1920s, <laughs> yeah. And Rachel, very tiny <laughs> student pursuing education in psychology and trying to help the other three through their various issues. Somewhere, athlete, somewhere in there. Athlete somewhere in there. Oh, a phenomenal track athlete. Yes, yeah, yeah. Great, yeah, great, great, great. Rolls good on those stats. Jordan's so, character yes. is a dumpster fire and it's amazing. It's really sad. It's, it's uh, one of those fun things where we rolled randomly for a lot of our background stuff and I just my, rolled garbage. That's why my character's four foot ten. <laughs> I love that for you. I love that for you. <laughs> um, and that's actually, like, that's also kind of a fun thing of, you know, again, we did a session zero. We did a, we all sat down, and then I said, like, how do you know one another? Call of Cthulhu has a bunch of random charts in there for you to roll up your characters. Uh, uh, I can't remember what they call them, but basically background things. Yeah, like people yeah. who are important to Significant you. Significant people. The ultimate campaign of Call yeah. of Cthulhu, yeah. Yeah. Making characters that way really lets you make these characters that very much kind of synergize together. It's like we have a reason that we all already know one another before we even begin begin this. Our characters' backgrounds are explored, so it's just like the fact is that Jordan's character is in a horrible relationship with his wife, and because of that, uh, he spends a lot of time just going out to like bars at the speakeasy <laughs> and you know going and hanging out with. You know, like his client now turned like kind of best friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because it's just like, I don't want to go home to my terrible wife. Um, you know. I, I wish we had recorded it because we actually, it was fun because like the, <laughs> as the details came out, the story subtly changed oh. of our characters. And my then it was like, has a child. Well, he definitely ex should not. Exactly. It was like, you're doing this like Playboy. I'm super rich. <laughs> I, I just hang out and do what I want. And then we roll it and Rick's like, so what about your child? <laughs> we just died. Like, yeah. just like, yeah, oh my gosh. We all started with a different concept. I didn't oh, that. every one of us started with a different That's concept, except for you. Yeah. You were going for himbo, and you the dice always support himbo. me as a himbo. That is yeah. why I'm always rolling. No, I allowed you guys to switch stats. Oh, because, oh, your, character switch was, stats, yes. because your character was clumsy. brilliant and super clumsy, and then I let you. But I was still strong one, and good looking and big. But Jessica loves a himbo. But yes, sorry, that, that does go back to the whole idea of, of working together to make a, a collaborative, like... There you go, party synergy. Like, that, that kind of goes back to the whole synergy thing. <laughs> Have you ever had a chance to play uh, Call of Cthulhu? Actually, I think you did mention you had, um, Eric, that you played some Call of Cthulhu. I played Delta it once. I, again, I'm not a big horror player, That's but um, yeah. we just started doing Delta Green, and we actually go kind of what you guys do, and we go to a cabin in the woods in West Virginia that Ooh. Doesn't even have Wi-Fi. Spooky. Uh, the, that's how Spooky. every Call of Duty game starts these days. 
You're you're yep. trapped in the woods with no cell phone. It's it is been funny. You don't so. like horror because that feels very <laughs> right. Yeah. That's yeah. how they start. Yeah, we go to this cabin and and they actually have this whole building like their garage has a, a room over it. And we got there in the first night. My the host was like, "Hey, you you want to you can have your own bed in that room if you want." And I was like. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah, in the house with everyone else. Yes. No, I don't want to be isolated away from the rest of the group. Yeah. To be easily picked off. <laughs> don't worry. You, if you have to use the restroom during the night, it's just the short 20-yard walk to that outhouse out there in the dark. That's right. <laughs> nope. Nope. All right. Next question. Bigger Frog asks, uh, thoughts on playing a game with a solo vigilante class or archetype? Rick and I have done a few games where it's just been him and the and me as the player. Um, as a vigilante? Not as a vigilante, but I mean, I'm just I saying am, it can be done. I was going to say, I mean, I am playing a vigilante, um, spoilers slightly, for uh, Hell's Rebels. And um, the thing about it is, like, everybody, I think the default vigilante that a lot of people think of, because that's what I thought of, was Batman, right? <laughs> it's like, I don't work with anybody, and, and you know, I'm just doing my own thing. And... That's not exactly necessary, right? Because Batman does team ups, right? So, but solo. you know, now doing well, it solo is the thing of like again, Batman doesn't have friends, right? You know, maybe maybe I was uh, wasn't interpreting that correctly. Is that it's a solo game, or there is one vigilante in the group? I thought it was one vigilante. Don't know. There's no clarification. If it's just you're the only vigilante in the group. You know, when you're talking about party composition, all the rest of that stuff. I actually, I had this idea a long time back. I'll throw this out there in the, in the ether for anyone else that wants to take this. Um, I did want to play a vigilante when it first came out. I never get to, you know, actually I do get to play ah. occasionally because of, uh, thanks to Ross. Bigger Frog says they meant one vigilante and others in the group. Okay. My brain interpreted those. Well, yeah. on, on brand for party composition discussion. Um, so, but I had an idea that I really wanted to play a character that um, was, uh, you know, this nobleman that had all of this money and was involved in all these noble circles and all the rest of that stuff. That, like, oh, he's friends with this group of adventurers because maybe he's, like, worked with them in the past, but then has an alternate identity that is, you know, he pulls his hair back or whatever it is and musses up and, like, maybe some people, like, he kind of looks like, but he doesn't wear a mask and all that. His vigilante identity is just another person's name. That they're like, oh, yeah, he's the stable hand. It's Clark Kent, right? Like, But it's it's not, it's instead of being Clark Kent and Superman, it's just Clark more, Kent and Joe Schmo. Well, um, like, but Clark Kent is, that has the same face as Superman. It's not like he wears makeup well, or anything, yeah, right? Yeah, he slouches a little bit. You know, puts okay, glasses I will on. say as a healthcare worker that I always thought that the Superman taking on and off his glasses thing was stupid until I see my coworkers out of their scrubs and I'm like, who are you? Yeah. Who's this person? Exactly. It's like, you know. To be fair, everybody, he's pretty tall. Everybody's just staring at the <laughs> S. <laughs> but I think the idea, however, is that, you know, instead of it being uh, like, this is my vigilante idea, the sapphire butterfly using a famous vigilante. Instead, it's like, no, you know, my name is, you know, D'Artagnan, and this is this other guy who's, you know, like, Bartagnan. I've come up with something more original than oh that. Oh my god. But, but <laughs> that, that was they, a naming They just have another me. regular person, and so instead of it being like a, this is my alternate superhero identity, it's almost like you're in witness protection. He has his own complete different thing that he does, and he's an adventurer that travels with these adventurers. It, you just don't ever happen to see both their patron and the adventurer yeah, at the same time. I got a throwback. It's like The Saint with Val Kilmer, mm. where he just has all the different personas. Like, they're not superheroes or anything, they're just all these 
different things because it depends on what he needs to get done. Yeah. If you're playing a one-e vigilante, you're going to be playing a magical girl, and I think at that point your friends just need to know you're a magical girl. Well, <laughs> that's the thing is I think the party needs to know. I think you want to play a magical girl. I have. The, so take, for instance, the idea of having a vigilante in the group. Usually the problem that you run back to is people see this group of four heroes and then this lady that they're traveling around with that's one of these four heroes. And then later on, it's like, oh, and also here's these exact same four heroes. And then there's another lady here that's the same height as that lady that you saw before. Yep. And the same hair color, but now is wearing a mask. <laughs> and now we don't know this person's identity. And you run into that problem with the vigilante that I think can be escaped if it's, instead of your vigilante identity is a superhero named whatever. Um, that instead it's actually just an alternate identity. I'm Princess Jasmine, but then I, you know, put on this, you know, now I'm a street urchin clothes and like go out so. and be a street urchin. Or again, actually Aladdin and uh, Prince Ali. Yeah. You know, you can do that back and forth. Yeah, it's really one of those both. like, okay, I'm a noble so and that's saying. who I am, but when I'm running around town, I am this. You go from Prince Ali to yeah, Aladdin. Yeah, and that's yeah. the easiest way to really do it. And it's just like, like you said, just muss up your hair, dress down, you know, maybe just adopt a few different mannerisms. Yeah. And I think the the big trick is also to make certain that both of those characters are involved, um, maybe with the adventuring group. So that it's just like both of your personas are already known to be involved with the adventuring group. It's just that, oh yeah, we just happen to have like not seen them. Especially if you get like the quick change ability. Where it's just like, oh yeah, you walk out of the room and then the other guy walks in. As long as you can play it up. So it would work really well, I think, for something like uh, More for the Crowd. Yeah. Oh yeah, More for the Crowd would be really good. It's like, oh, and, and who's that guy that I just saw? It's like, it's like, oh, it's the Duke. Nice to meet you, Duke. And then he wanders off, and then you come back in as the other character. It's like, oh, I'm also, I'm his valet. Uh-huh. You know, and shake their hands, and so you can go and talk to the, the commoners and be perfectly comfortable doing so as the point of contact between the nobles and the commoners, but then you're actually also a noble yourself. As long as the, you know, commoners don't find out, and then they're really offended by you pretending to slum it with the poor. On that point... Uh, Delta Charlie Wolf asks a random question. What should I play for Alcat's Wrath of the Righteous Vidya game? Halfling Cavalier of the Paw, Kitsune Sensei, Kitsune Incense Alchemist, Incense Alchemist, Kitsune Sword Saint. Yeah, I'm excited about the new Fox people. I mean, I. Play whatever you want, first off. Like, well, I think he has well, these are the options. Oh, yeah, I, I'm always going to lean toward the, the half. No shame for wanting to play with Kitsune. Uh, you personally? could have Puffer, maybe. Huh? Cavalier of the Paw, don't you get a Puffer? Yeah, I love the idea of like a halfling like riding like an Irish hound or something like that. I, I like awesome. the idea of halfling cavaliers in general if you're going to have to do anything involving five-foot hallways. so yeah. I just love a halfling. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to always tell you to play the Kitsune because Kitsune. Kitsunes are cute. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Kitsune Spellcaster is fun. It's very on brand for them. It's interesting. And it's for Wrath of the Righteous. The video game, right? Yeah. The video game, yeah. I like a sword saint. That feels appropriate. Mm-hmm. We have not helped him at all. We really are not helpful in making these decisions. So. I'm just, okay, sword I will saint. say Done. any of these characters will work with a party composition from the NPCs. So don't feel like you're if you choose one of them... You're like, oh, I, you know, this isn't going to... Yeah, they, they do a good job of making sure you have everybody to support your main character. But just from my experience in playing the, playing TRPGs, I tend to do better if I'm either a rogue-type character, the full fighter-type character, or a magic user in the back. That was like three of the four. Yes, I know. I'm not helping. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Kitsune Sword Sight. Kitsune. That's what I said. We didn't yeah. die. Play Kitsune. 
Kitsune Sword Saint. Play a Kitsune because you want to play a Kitsune. Play a Sword Saint because you're already going to have to be balancing all the NPC spellcasters. Mm-hmm. Don't add more to your plate, especially if it's your first time going through. Just go in, enjoy it. Uh, really, the the big thing with uh, Wrath of the Righteous is figuring out what your uh, mythic path is going to be. Yep. Mythic there you go. Done and done. Done and done. They give you lots of good other characters to round you out. Oh, it's oh, yeah. Here's the one where you got to be careful because you've got that one tiny bit where you got to go off by yourself. Yeah, you got a solo adventure. If you're, not a- if you're playing Kingmaker, play Ranger. <laughs> <laughs> also, so thematic. Anything Sorry, else? I'm looking for another question. I played a uh, Ber- the Burboy sword. Oh, the Burboy. Aldori uh, 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 sword. Aldori sword. sword, sword, sword ah, what's the motif on your socks? From, um, oh, yes. Uh, this is a little sunset and some uh, little uh, like sailboats. Yeah. Um, I famously love bright, bright, uh, bright socks. I wondered if anybody was going to comment on your socks. I love, my, I love my bright socks. I also packed nothing but Hawaiian shirts for this. You're on vacation. Hawaiian on shirts vacation. are eminently appropriate. You packed D and D themes. Oh yeah, should should point out if you can't see every everything there is it's a dragon. Dragons. Yeah, dragons, it's, it's just a repeated dice. little. Dragon and dice motif across this. I also really like the purple. I think it's very nice. Um, I was wearing my. Uh, actually, I don't know if I brought the one that I got. That was this is a Geek Tropical that they put out for um, the LGBTQ um, uh, community. That's a whole bunch of uh, dice, except for they're done in the like um, the flag colors, you know, the flag colors, or the like the trans flag colors, and all the the rest of that stuff. And the money goes to. Uh, Support. Um, I don't think it's Trevor Project because I think, or not Trevor Project. There's suicide prevention. What am I thinking? Mm. I can't remember the project that they go and support. My uh, my favorite of your Hawaiian shirts is the one that's all Sophie's face. Ah, oh, but yeah, I, need I don't have that one with me. Get him a new one. Tossed right out. Asks, does Rick own non-Hawaiian shirts? Yes. Yes. Yes, he, yes, does. he does. But I like to wear them for the stream because they they kind of pop. He does actually own T-shirts. If you're curious They're as well, the they're all yeah. find the path. <laughs> yeah, not as many of them as quite as nice as uh, as the one Eric's wearing right now. Uh, <laughs> yes. That's one of my I favorites. I love the Tri-Logo. The Tri-Logo, yeah. the tri-logo is one of my favorites, yeah. Logo with yeah the new we do need a new Tri-Logo shirt, yeah. But uh, So thanks for, thanks for repping the brand there, Eric. I yeah. did not bring I, any Finding Path t-shirts I, on this vacation. You gotta rep the <laughs> I bought merch, quite man. a few of them, but every time they show up, Lisa opens the package up, says thanks, and puts it in her drawer. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think when Start we had TJ on, right I think TJ mentioned he lost some shirts. To, a mug. He lost his. Oh, he mug. lost his mug. mug. Yeah, yeah, to his husband. <laughs> okay, I don't see any other questions in the chat. Okay, well, I mean, we're we're about at wrapping it up right now. So yeah. again, hopefully everyone has very much enjoyed this. Again, Eric, hopefully uh, we answered somewhere in that rambling <laughs> path of Look, various it's, conversations. It's Despite being named "Find the Path," we're really bad at finding a path in conversation. We find a lot of paths. This yes. is great. I had a great time. Conversation. <laughs> yeah, we can. So, the from smiling. <laughs> Good. That's what we aim for. Actually, mine yes. do a little bit too. Yeah, but that's uh, the beard helps obscure it. Yeah. So again, thank you all for uh, for joining us today. We yes. really hope that you've enjoyed the uh, both the conversation because it's just it's an interesting topic. And again, it's one of those that you don't even if you dig around on it, it's really hard to find conversations about like good party composition things because. Most stuff that you find online is just about building a good character, like yeah. making your yeah. character and not really the look as at the party. Because really, when you think of it, a party is almost a character in and of itself. Once you take all the individual pieces and roll them together. 
Um, we don't really have any announcements or anything, or although, Gen Con. again, we are going Gen yeah, Con. We will be at Gen Con. Um, and Eric Please said uh, that he'd be there as well, so we're very much looking forward to seeing you Yeah, guys. there's been a lot of people that on our Discord and people that we know that are saying that they're going to go, so yeah. it's going to be exciting. Yeah. We're, we're, yes, we, we've had a lot of people helping organize. Um, don't contact us, contact Rachel. <laughs> if you want to know what we're up we, to. We will be sending out um, information as we get closer to the actual event a, itself. A, like, meet and greet. We we are going to be doing yeah. a meet and greet. Um, I'm excited to meet people that I've been talking to online. And I will, actually, I'll go ahead and announce this here because oh, I think I think I'm committed enough to this. Uh, are we committed enough to oh. the idea that I was talking about as what far as as far as the cards are concerned? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So we are going to be doing a fun little thing, um, just just for everyone that chooses to go to Gen Con. Um, we just did decide because we so often, anytime we go to conventions, we like to have business cards that we can hand out in case people, we start talking to people. We want to go out there and share and spread the love for the podcast. Um, we will be making individual business cards this year and therefore, uh, all six of us will be in attendance. And so if you want, we're going to do a little collect them all sort of thing that, uh, each one of us will have our own separate ones. With so, uh, with some, with some different uh, art on the back of those. And so, uh, if you want, as a fun little side game, you can uh, collect them all by going, <laughs> finding this all, uh, tracking down your, uh, or at the very, or if you're just you like, you know what, Heather's yeah, my favorite. I just want the Heather card. Um, you can go and track down Heather and find her card. As a collector so, of photo cards, I agree. <clears throat> mm-hmm. As a collector of photo cards, apparently. Yeah, um, we are going to be going to Gen Con. You know, it can be a little bit difficult, I think, right now to find, like, hotels in that region. Like, even this far out, we were having some... Uh, some Gen Con is mad, yeah, from, y'all. from week so. to week, I looked it up, and there was a whole bunch of availability. And so I was like, all right, let's check finances. And by the time we checked it, it was already all booked. And I was like... Great! Yeah. <laughs> Plan and, B. <laughs> and no, we are booked. We are booked. We yes. are booked. We, are we, are we, we, we have a place to stay. We have uh, plane tickets. We're going. Yeah. yeah, we're going. So anyone else out there that was like getting ready to type, like, I'm in the neighborhood? You know, you can stay in the creepy place over my garage. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, we do have a place. We appreciate it, though. I already went through with Plan B. If you can, if, you, if the finances permit and it is something you're interested in, please attend Gen Con. We would love to see you there. We would love to get a chance to hang out. Like, even before we started, um, Eric had to, to deal with us with a little technical difficulties behind the scenes. Uh, hopefully it came across as being quite smooth when we're actually doing this. But um, it's great just to get to hang out with, with Eric and chat about yeah, nice tabletop to to games. People. And just, we love gaming. We love TTRPGs. Again, we talk about it a lot. Yeah, we're, we're <laughs> I think we talked about it for about it's six like, hours. It's like, Heather, what do you want to do here? for your birthday? And it's like, I want to chill out in the hot spring and play some sort of creepy game. Yep. Yep. And so that's what we did. That was that was the entire birthday celebration. We've got to finish that game um, later on tonight. We do. Yep. Um, like so far, we're all sane. So far, everyone's sane. You take sanity um, damage. I took two. Oh yeah, there is taking sanity damage. <laughs> yeah, that's because uh, I looked. Again, like 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 I was saying, as far as like hanging out with Eric beforehand, like it is great to just have a chance to hang out and just chat, just talk shop because it is something that we love to do. And so, if you get a chance to go to Gen Con, we would love to just get a chance to hang out with you at like get-togethers and all the rest of that stuff. Like we are there as the podcast, we are there to meet and greet people and chat about things and all the rest of that stuff. I am thrilled for this chance. Um, and so, hopefully. Everything will go off uh, quite smoother. We're going to have a, uh, I'm going to hope for an even better setup. So I do plan on doing some streaming while we are there getting together with everyone. And so, uh, yeah, that's really the only big announcement that we have. 
a reminder, but yeah. More of a reminder. Um, actually, I do have one other uh, announcement. If I can, I want to double check that before I say something, and then and Rick has thrown out announcements that I don't know what they're. These about. were unscheduled announcements, y'all. He's going off book. I'm going completely off book. I'm off oh, the rails. No. You can't control me. Um, That's true. This is why we don't even try. Yeah. So we're finalizing the details with this. Uh, we will be, of course, doing another. Um, that's going to be the uh, the third of next month. We are going to, of course, have our next after party. And we will actually have special guests there as well. Um, it has been amazing, of course, having yeah. uh, Eric here. And that has been a whole lot of fun. I love when we have guests. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of fun to have guests on, um, for sure. We but, like uh, talking to y'all. Next month, I haven't nailed down exactly who it is going to be. Uh, but we are going to be doing a little... Uh, you know, guest hosting with uh, Griff at the very least, I know, from Hideous Laughter. Oh, hey. oh And nice. I think uh, Steve's going to jump on with us, and we're going to talk some uh, converting Pathfinder 1E Adventure Pass to 2E, since they are doing their own 2E uh, version of Curse Iron Fang Invasion. Uh, is Curse their first, still first edition, or are they converting it? You know what? I'm not positive. I think that, I think they might have converted both of those. I have a very lot to talk about. Chat next week. And so, yeah, we're going to have a, a chance to, to chat with them. And again, going to Gen Con, that's what kind of reminded me of that, where I'm like, we do hope to be able to do a number of live streams. So yes. we're going to try to do a lot of live streams to talk about our thoughts and everything else of what's happening over at Gen Con um, once we're out there. So uh, hopefully we'll have this all set up a little bit better. I've noticed that as this has progressed, it'll be really interesting if someone's watching it, like doing a time jump on this uh, stream after it's launched, that the sun has steadily come out more and more. We have this open window here. And so I'm like, man, I am so pale. I know. I was sitting there at one point <laughs> going, man, my arms are pale. So I am a vampire. Yep. We are the pallid Locked princesses. Locked away in the editing room. <laughs> we are the pallid princesses. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we do want to, of course, as always, thank all of our patrons, particularly thank our patron that is here with us, yes, Eric. Thank, thank you, you so thank you, much. Uh, Lisa, if you're watching you. this or listening to this later, um, Lisa, thank you also so Yes, much. thank you, Lisa. Yes. Thanks for coming. Lisa, Lisa texted me. She, she reminded me, I had my headphones in, so while <laughs> you guys were talking, she couldn't hear anything. Uh, uh, that's, why she, that's why she eventually left. Uh, oh, that's well, of course. She said, she said to apologize. No. Oh, don't apologize. Don't apologize. Oh, yeah. It was nice of her to say hi. He hey. often run away. Again. If, and we have done that ourselves. And yep. if she is interested, you know, she's still, she can uh, come up with her own subject and feel free to jump on with us also. Like, I would love to do a, a double guest sort of situation and really explore a variety of different subjects yeah. and topics. So, just something that's going to talk about books. <laughs> we talking about books all we day long, so you can probably do that. Maybe you're awesome. Got two lit short majors stories. I like books. Yeah, yeah. also likes books. I too like book. <laughs> <laughs> I too read. <laughs> yeah. So again, thank you so much for joining us today, Eric. Thank um, you. Thank you much. to all of our amazing patrons out there who have uh, supported us and made this possible, made it possible for us to go to Gen Con. Because mm-hmm. um, as I'm certain that most people are well aware. Uh, it can be pricey. It can get uh, really pricey once you multiply that by six. God, yes. Um, <laughs> and so, uh, yeah, that's basically it. I think uh, we'll just go ahead and sign off with that. So, uh, again, if you can make it to Gen Con, please come to Gen Con. We'd love to see you there. If you can't make it to Gen Con, please check out our Twitch stream because we are going to be on here chatting about all the, the wonderful, fun, exciting things that we're going to be go- doing over in Indy. And until next time, good luck, Pathfinders. Bye, Pathfinders! Bye.